I'm Chelsea Parker. I'm a freelance fiddle player, and this is The Jay Franzi Show. Welcome to The Jay Franzi Show, a behind-the-curtain look at the entertainment industry with insights you can't pay for and stories you've never heard. Now, here's your host, Jay Franzi. Well, hello, 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 and welcome to the show. I am Jay Franzi, and this is your backstage pass to the entertainment industry. This week, we get to talk with the key members of Big Mood. We get to talk with Aaron Showcraft and Drew Phillips. We'll talk to them about how their collaboration process has changed since their time together in introspect. We'll talk to them about the origin of Big Mood, and we'll take a look at their songwriting process and how it's evolved over time. Now, Aaron and Drew, they've had an amazing journey, and I can't wait to talk with them about it tonight. So if you'd like to join in, comment, or fire off any questions, please head over to jfranzi.com. Now, let's get started. Aaron, Drew, my friends, how are you? Good, man. Good to see you. Jay Franzi. That is me, sir. That is the name that I was given, kind of. This is so fun. Well... Let's just jump right in. How has your collaboration process changed since your time together in Introspect? It's fun because um, Aaron and I, you know, I'm in Cincinnati and Aaron's in Columbus, but we collab and we actually have collabed for years, writing, recording. And Aaron, I actually was went through the old Introspect catalog earlier today. I did the same thing. The yeah. songs we wrote together on that record, man, was so good, man. I loved it. You know, it's crazy what uh, the internet does. Yeah, it really is amazing what you can do over the internet these days. Very true. So how did you guys get together in the first place? Aaron and I grew up together. We're from the same hometown, Zanesville, Ohio. But it's so fun that we always, like, had this musical connection and it's not even about being in the same room. It's just about shooting ideas over to each other. And, uh, I'll say that it's incredible that we've actually come up with a catalog. That's one of my most proud moments musically, you know, it's not even about being in the same room now and we have so many more songs coming I'm super stoked about too. And okay, there's my pro- there's my gush moment. Now that Drew shared everything, I guess the show's over, folks. <laughs> I hope you had a good night. Yeah. We'll see you. That's what you get from me. You get the blah blah blah. <laughs> but it's true. It's awesome. Well, it's true. You guys have a history, and it's a long history. So yeah, with that history in mind, can you kind of give us the origin of what this new project is going to be like? So. Um, gosh, where do I start with that? Drew and I have, ever since we, we got together, we've been writing songs, right? And I think as the years have passed, I think we've sort of come into our own a little bit more as songwriters. Mm -hmm. You know, when we first started playing together, I was in, in my twenties and I had just come out of an interesting phase of my life where. 
I was really trying to, I think, be different things for different people in terms of like the, the art and the songwriting. And what, what my relationship with Drew, I think, has allowed me to be is really like who I would like to be as a songwriter. And he's always encouraged that. And I hope I've done the same for you, brother man, just in terms of thinking about the, you mentioned introspect, the songs that we did with introspect, you know, we probably wouldn't write music like that today, but we're here because we, you know, we, we went through those times and now I think we're, we have a different expression of what the art and the songwriting craft means to us. So that's sort of the backstory moving into big mood specifically. I think it's, it's really that encapsulated, which is what do we want to create and who do we want to create it with? And I've never, you know, been with a songwriter. I've really felt that connection with, I feel like understands what I'm trying to get out of music and vice versa than I am with Drew. And so that's really what we're doing with this project. There's not some audacious goal on the back end of it. Like there was in the past. It's really, it's really about like, how do we create the best music that resonates with us and that we want to leave behind for our friends and family. And if fans come along with it, that's great too. Yeah, for sure, man. I agree with all that. And I think the fun thing about this project has been, it's been an evolution because I can say for me personally, when we started writing songs, like we started sharing work tapes. I mean, we have so many ideas floating around out there, but like sort of the, the unveiling of not even like the context of the the lyrics or whatever, but just the evolution of, of melody and your melodies have just grown into these amazing places. And also like, I guess as any good relationship goes, um, the critique of the lyrics, what are you saying here? What is going on there? I'll send you gibberish sometimes and you'll just <laughs> blow it up. You know what I mean? You'll be like, Oh, here's what I think about these lyrics. And then also it's funny. I was thinking today, the song I sent that I had like incubating. And I think it's probably one of the Genesis of, of our project was pulling rope. Yeah. I remember being like, I guess under the pressure of the whole Correct me if I'm wrong, because I might be making this all up, but I feel like we had studio time booked and I didn't have the hook or the, I guess, there was a section of it that wasn't written yet. Yeah. And, and I just like, I remember this distinct moment of like breathing and like coming up with the lyric and then sending it to you and you sent it back to me tenfold of what I thought of what it was should have been. And it was like sort of that pressure, like diamond thing. Like I sent it to you, you sent it to me. It's, it's a hundred percent better. And then we went in the studio and we freaking cut it, man. It was amazing. And now we sent it to Sean and, and London and mixed it. And it was, it's probably my favorite song that I'll ever do. Aaron, is he telling the truth? Yeah. Well, <laughs> as you're telling that story, I'm like, I'm like reliving parts of it. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, so 
like full stop drew wrote 95 percent of the song that he's referencing i think i just like layered some icing on the top oh and- dude whatever <laughs> just enough to collect the royalty <laughs> yeah. um, but if i remember correctly the part that you're referencing you sent me like a voice note yeah. or something like here here's what i'm thinking and i was like you know this song this song gives me Black Crows vibes, and this is how I think Chris Robinson would sing it. Yeah, sure. He sang it in this like, like sort of bluesy, like really just getting it from your gut type of thing. And if I remember correctly, Drew was like, "Oh shit, I think that's that's it right there." Yeah, for sure, for sure, man. And and I guess that sort of encompasses the relationship of me and and Aaron because he'll do the same for me. So he'll send me an idea, and he's like, "I got this." feeling about this song he'll never tell me he'll just say i have a feeling about x or y there's a song we wrote together that i'm really proud of called summer blues and he sent me like he sent me this work tape and it needed something else it needed like it needed a like a, a it needed a chorus honestly yeah yeah but it's one of those songs where it's like the verse is so good and the B section is so good. It's like, it almost feels like it's a chorus, but then if you spackle a chorus on top of that, you know, it just elevates it. Yeah. And then we went into the studio and we just freaking cut it, man. And, uh, so excited to, to launch this guy. Yeah. This is what you get when Drew and I on. It's just like, story time you don't even have to ask questions we just talk about, you know, i get that too well it's funny because that i'll just like put a bow on that story and then you know we can go wherever but yeah that summer blues song specifically that he's referencing i mean they're all like your kids right so how do you pick your favorite but that song for me like encapsulates a lot of what i like about music a little bit of heartache a little bit of perseverance a little bit of uh overcoming yeah and then like you know some joyful spirit kind of mixed in for flavor. But the reason I bring that up is because Drew's hundred percent spot on that. I had this a and B section, but it needed, it needed to hook and Drew sent me, I'll never forget. Like you sent me a voice note and like you had, you didn't really have full sentences. You're right. You're like, <laughs> I was just yeah. like, Oh, I see what you're doing here. Yeah. <laughs> I was standing, standing in my kitchen and if I remember correctly, we had just put our oldest down for bed. It's like dark in the kitchen. Yeah, I'm like right. eating snacks. And I'm listening to this voice note. And I'm like, I'm like whispering, what if we did this? And I like, <laughs> I like sang, I like whisper sang it into the phone and sent it back to him. Right, and then right. that is still the hook to this day. Like Drew mumbling and me mumbling. And then it turned into like, what is uh, honestly like one of our better, I think one of yeah, the man. more. So good. So good, man. And, um, and that's, I guess that's kind of our relationship too. It's cliche to say, but when you get in that comfort level where like, I'm not afraid to suck in front of AC because I know that there's something like there. And I think that's kind of the important thing about making music together. AC, you might be, you know, you can chime in on this, but when you're afraid to be bad, is when creativity stops and that's in your job that's in your your life that's in your um just my my like i guess existence there's a risk thing that's going on and 
and you know we've been in so many like relationships and musical things together where it's cool where you can just be like i sent you so many bad ideas brother <laughs> and you're like what else you got you know what i mean i love that i love to be able to do that because that's when the good songs come out aaron sir is this how the writing process has always been I think so because the distance, right? Because I've always been in Columbus and Drew's always been in the greater Cincinnati area. And we've written, God, probably 50 songs this way. Now, if we were sitting in the same geographical location, would it would it make things a little easier? I'm sure. But at the same time, Drew brings up a good point that like, I'll just speak for me personally. I'm not what I would consider like an amazing musician. And there's a lot I can learn about the art of singing. And so I feel like I've struggled through the years with imposter syndrome, where you feel like you're afraid to fail because like, you don't want, you don't want to like let the cat out of the bag that you might <laughs> suck a little bit sometimes. You know what I mean? But like in other projects I've been in, I feel like I've always tried to surround myself with people that I thought were better than me. Right. But what is, maybe been a challenge there is that I know they're better than me in the back of my head. So I'm like, Oh shit. Like, am I the weakest link? Goodbye. You know what I mean? Like to be fair, you want to be the weakest link. Well, yeah, but I've always felt a little, I think vulnerable to Drew's point to like maybe share an idea that wasn't fully fleshed out. But as we've grown as songwriters, you know, I think that's where growth comes on the other side of failure. If you're afraid to fail, like where's, where are you growing? It's funny though, whenever I like, and AC, I think you have the same like small group of people that you share ideas with when you feel like you're onto something. <laughs> the funny thing is, is that they always message back like, where did you find the singer? <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? That's funny. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> He's mine. <laughs> you can't have him. <laughs> you can't have him. Like, yeah, I'm not gonna say it's so it's funny. Okay. It's great though, man. And and Jay, I think you probably know this too. Like to find a, an artist that you can collaborate with. Yeah, I mean, AC has ideas that he needs to express that I try to like care for. You know what I mean? Like, and it's, even if it's not my bag, it becomes my bag at that point. Now I'm like, oh, I'm all in on this, even though it's like not what I normally do. I love that too because it presses me as a like a, a writer to do something outside of my right. comfort zone. Aaron, tell me your thoughts. How do you feel that the musical style has changed since you guys started years ago? Uh, as I've grown older, my taste for what I would consider like harder rock and roll mm -hmm. has waned a little bit and what's I feel like starting to shine through not only in what I listen to but also what I've always really liked to write but I sort of felt like I was a hard rock singer so like that's what I had to write but as I've kind of gotten older I've realized okay I feel like I'm actually like my strength is in just finding the emotion in the song however that expresses not in a form of like aggression or passion or whatever, like a lot of hard, harder songs are about. So I feel like as the music has grown, 
me as a person, I feel like I've grown right along with it. To, it's a more mature sound. It's a, about more mature topics. It's layered harmonies. It's, you know, not every guitar has to be turned to 10 type of thing. Right. So yeah, I think that's how it's changed. And that resonates with, I think, maybe how I've changed as a, as a person too. It's a good point, man. True. how do you view the change? Uh, I, I would say the same. I think, so I, I guess I wouldn't call myself a, a lyricist as much, more of a concept thing. It's a vulnerable thing too. It's really crazy. I'm feeling about this and I'll send him like some ideas or whatever. And man, when he comes back with, an articulate, you know, song or a or line from an idea that I had. It's really great, and I think, I think there's there's a couple a couple things going on here. I think it's about confidence about that, uh, and I said it before, being able to suck and finding someone that you can like express with. But I also felt like. Like, again, I, I like to write in a lot of open tunings and things and riffs and like open G or I feel like there's like a there's a personality there for me. You know what I mean? But then being able to like kick that off to him as a incredible singer and melody writer. And, you know, more often than not, I think we hit more than we miss. So, Aaron, what would you describe the style to be like now? I would say, like, Big Mood's a little bit of Americana, mm -hmm. kind of like Roots Rock, with a little bit of folk and a like a sometimes a pop melody thrown in there for good measure. But to Drew's point, and I think you just mentioned this, like, we'll write a song that you could hear on, I don't know, country radio, and then we'll write a song that is like, Gary Clark Jr. probably needs to cut because mm -hmm. it's like a soul melody with like mm -hmm. a blues guitar riff over top. And all those live in the same like sort of breath of a creative expression a lot of times. And so I, I think when we when we start to like let the songs see the the light of day as we chip away at these, you know, I think that'll that'll be pretty evident that like there's a lot of different stuff rolled into a couple of different songwriters yeah and i think it's important to mention like so aaron and i have played together in live bands for a long time but the songwriting gig we sort of cultivated big mood out of um we've brought in a lot of our friends to play drums kevin patrick sweeney keys he's an amazing keyboard player but we found a mix engineer Sean Ginocchi, and he's in London. You say you found him. How did you find him? He was in this band called Moke. They're from London, and they opened up for the Black Crows. I saw them at the Taft Theater in 1990. I think it's 98 or 99. And anyway, they weren't even on the bill. And I was there to see the Black Crows. They're my favorite band. And the stage lights went off or up, I guess, and this band came out, and it, this guy looked like Bob Marley on, you know, <laughs> coming out singing, and the guitar player, he played slide, he had a telly, and it was like the perfect blend of, like, harmonies, English rock, 
And I was blown away. And it was like, didn't know who they were. They didn't really say their band name. There was no merch at all. I had to like deep dive the internet to like figure out like, what was this band's name and who were they? Did they have a record out or whatever? Anyway, Rich Robinson from the Black Crows played a gig in Columbus. And Aaron and I did an acoustic duo thing. And we did like the, it was like the happy hour set in the adjacent room. So you do the happy hour set, then the band would like, you know, the, whatever the gig was, it opened up and it was like, it's not as huge club at all. It's like, I don't know, AC with like 250 seats or whatever. Yeah. And Aaron, God bless him. This is why I love, I love him so much. He's like, he went and found the tour manager and was like, I just want to meet Rich Robinson. And, um, <laughs> And I'll tell you what, man, he's like, okay. And so Aaron and I went and uh, met Rich and Rich freaking welcomed us into his dressing room, walked us back, introduced us to every band member, which was uh, Nico, who is in the Black Crows now, Sven Pippian, who is in the Black Crows now, Joe Magistro, and there were a couple other members too. And was the most like gracious host. And there's a lot of stories out there about how he's not a nice guy. And I'll, I'll say I'll defend him to this day. Mm. Like there was absolutely no reason for him to be nice to us. And he went above and beyond all of those things. And like, that's what I want my rock and roll heroes to do. You know what I mean? You know, it was amazing. So I guess I got to go full circle on this. So so that band became the Magpie Salute. Rich brought in Mark Ford from the old Black Crows band, and they made two records, and Sean Janoki mixed one of the songs on the first record, which was happened to be my favorite song. And so it's like this full circle thing, like, oh, my God, like, I like the sound of this. And then I looked up the liner notes like, a, like an old guy would. Like, oh, Sean, this is crazy. And then he engineered and mixed the second record, too, in Nashville, which I loved even more. And I just cold called him. And I'm like, hey, man, um, do you do work for hire? And it, it was one of those, oh, mate, you know, maybe, <laughs> you know, just like send anybody. Your stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Send me your stuff. I'd have to hear it first. And I sent him pulling rope and he was all about it. And so like that moment of validation for me, regardless of anything, he's like, let's work together on this. You know what I mean? It was, it told me a lot about our effort and like where Aaron and I were heading. I loved it. it and also because I like to talk a lot. <laughs> We left room in our writing process for him to play lead guitar. And, dude, when he comes back with his ideas, I like, I just, I just <laughs> giggle, man. It's like everything plus that I ever wanted. So I guess full circle, like seeing him at the Tap Theater opening for the Crows to making records mixed by Bob Clear Mountain back to working on our record. It's um, 
I don't really care about anything besides that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Bob Claremont's another genius. He's a pretty good guy. Yeah. One of the best in the world. Tell me this, though, Aaron. I mean, he's talking about pulling rope and sending these songs off. Tell me about the actual tracking process. Yeah, so there's a couple of studios in Columbus, Ohio, that are run by amazing people, first and foremost, along with their talent. We did some tracks at Sonic Lounge with Joe Veers, and we took a different approach to these sessions. And then we thought, that's one vibe. Let's maybe try, you know, let's try a different flavor. So we went to Orange Judio in, in Grandview, which is a, a suburb of Columbus, just on the other side of the river from downtown. And Joey Gerwin is is the engineer and owner there. And we did some tracks with with Joey as well. Um, just to, you know, kind of try out different spaces and what would, you know, what we were enjoying. But what we tried to do with both sessions was play as much live as possible. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, there's a lot of overlaying of harmonies and a lead guitar part and ooh that that note's a little off let's redo that but for the most part like we're trying to do these like a live band in the studio and so that's what's been different and this is just part of i think who we were and who we were playing with but every everything was like almost too perfect in a way and life's a little messy right like the music that i enjoy has a little bit of rough edge to it mm-hmm. you know it doesn't have to be completely messy no one likes a cluttered anything but space for the the expression to come through is kind of what i was thinking and so you can hear in our songs like space where like there was dead air in the room and like you can hear it and like before i don't think that that was there and so that's where we're going how it's different and what that process was like for us this time around drew what did you like about the recording process for me, it's always about taking the idea and then into, like AC said, the expression of the full band. I think, especially at the Orin Studio sessions that we did, tracking live, it's like, you know, I guess as one half of the songwriters, you know, I'm on the acoustic guitar or whatever, but I'm honestly a bass player. And that's where I live. And that's where um, I think that's where I'm best just to like to remove myself from the guitar to the bass with Dan McQuinn was the drummer. I played with him for years and toured with in July for Kings. He's an amazing drummer, great guy. And just playing with him, I guess, in a live session with, of course, Aaron singing and and Kevin Patrick Sweeney on keys, who, when you hear the record, he's a transcendent musician. Aaron and I wrote the songs, but when he plays, it makes us sound way better than we are. <laughs> you know what I mean? And we also have the same pleasure. We play in a, a fun project that we put together called Full Moon Fever. It's a Tom Petty tribute. Jason Foster is the keyboard player there. And again, it's like you think you're okay at your instrument, but then you get in a room with a guy like that. Come on, man. Like, it's like, yeah. that's what it's about. You know what I mean? Well, Aaron, he talks about those musicians. And earlier, he talked about Black Crows. Who are your influences? Gosh, so many. It's hard. And, I, and some of them are very cliche. Like, I love Led Zeppelin. I love the Beatles. Just how they put songs together and the talent that they had. 
obviously is is second to none. But some more modern artists that I'm really into, Drew mentioned Amos Lee and Ray LaMontagne. I love Chris Stapleton. Mm -hmm. What I've come to learn, and this has been there ever since I was little, is there's a certain type of singer I gravitate towards, and it's someone that sings with a little bit of soul, a little bit of a little bit of passion. Not every note has to be perfect as long as they're delivering it with something behind it. And so I feel like I gravitate towards, you know, sort of that that bluesy side of the rock and roll tree, if you will. Yeah. But I also absolutely love just like singer songwriters, just acoustic. Like if you can perform a song with just you and one acoustic instrument, whether it's a piano or an acoustic guitar or what have you, and really deliver the passion and, and the energy or whatever you're trying to get across the emotion. I think that's when you know that you have a good song. And so any artist that I like now, I feel like can do, can do that. They can just deliver it. Mm, give us an example. Gosh. <laughs> so I, uh, I saw Ray LaMontagne in a very, small venue in Columbus. When I say small, it wasn't like a five or 10,000 seat arena. It was like a few hundred people and it was just him and a guitar. And I had questioned how were these songs going to come across? Cause he does a lot of layering and overdubbing on his mm -hmm. record a lot of times. And it's very atmospheric and great studio musicians and whatnot, but just him and, and one acoustic guitar and the way that he, along with many other artists, can kind of dial it back and deliver the verses and then pick it up and deliver the chorus. Like, you know, when you have that both written into the song and the ability to execute it, that, you know, that's what really I really gravitate towards. Well, Drew, let me ask you this. You mentioned earlier how you come up with ideas and inspirations and ways you'd like to approach the lyric of the song in americana music is very much storytelling so yeah. how important is it to you to to craft those thoughts into a, a solid story i think the most important thing just like when i can like write a uh, idea and be honest with ac about like what i'm thinking there's a vulnerability for sure it's almost uncomfortable um, you know what I mean? But like, hey, man, I'm thinking this. And he does the same. His best song, we haven't cut yet. Uh, you know what I mean? He's um, just saying he cuts his stuff first. That's all he's yeah, saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, when he sends me an idea about something that's on his heart, it makes me go deeper. I think the storytelling is... I, I feel like I used to think because some of my favorite artists were this way. If you can, if you can be vague and like, that's where the real artistry is or, you know, some cliche maybe from, you know, my teens or early twenties. But now it's like, I want to write a song about my daughters and I want people to mm -hmm. know that it's probably about my daughters. You know what right. I mean? Like that's right. okay. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and I want to write a song about heartbreak and I want people to know that I'm talking about, I got my heart broken or the right. person in the story that I felt like that at one point in time, 
had their heart broken in this way, mm-hmm. or they see an event in life or a crossroads in life and, and they, they're, they they do not know which way to go. And like, I want to like, whatever that emotion is, I think it's okay to just kind of be out there that that's what you're talking about. And so I think the story component is, is super important, but I also, you talk about the vulnerability. I don't want things to be an autobiography either. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't want everything to just to be about, Hey, here's what happened today. And right. like, you know, I, I think there's, there's a component of being just obscure enough that anyone can relate to it, but direct enough that it hits home. Well, on that note, Aaron, how does it make you feel when Drew's willing to open up and be that, that vulnerable with you? So I think that's something that we've grown into, wouldn't you say? I yeah, mean, for sure, man. And I'll give you an example of this. Drew is one of the best and most prolific songwriters I've ever had the pleasure of working with. Like the amount of creativity that comes out of that human is incredible. <laughs> that's why he has a folder of songs that he will probably never record. I'm, I'm aware. Yeah, it is. <laughs> he writes so many songs. Whereas, like, I, I'm a little more, I, I'm not nearly as prolific, and then I take way too much time <laughs> to do yeah. it. So, you know, that's that's my own personal problem. But I think when it started, and where I was going with this is the album that Drew and I cut in 2009 and 2010. It was uh, the second Introspect album, and Introspect was a group that. I found it and Drew was kind enough to join a few years later after we released our first album. Well, Drew has, I think, two songs out of the 11 on that album. And the rest of it is me and a couple other guys writing. But in reality, if we were to record like a whole new album, it would probably be like 90% Drew or 75% Drew. Because I think that like you've gotten more comfortable through the years being like, okay with this is like the type of music i i want to write mm-hmm. and this is how i want it to sound and i'm okay talking about that here yeah you're the man uh dude what what a, what a cool project that was and uh you know i remember it was almost like um we weren't like ticking out like you get two songs i get two songs it wasn't even that it, it was a confidence level of being able to come out with with um with song ideas and i felt really good about those yeah i mean that's that's one of those records that's just in the internet for forever and it's a great record we we spent time we spent we invested the right things into that mark cooper is an amazing guitar player man incredible amazing amazing guy um and i i always like to talk about him because I have a lot of respect for him. And I think that he helped me just like become. And then when, when I mean, obviously I played with Mark and pay the girl and then we, you and I were talking about maybe keeping introspect going and then, and introducing you and Mark together was, um, was I guess one of my greater accomplishments musically, I think, because I thought that it worked really well. And but man, what a record that was! You yeah. know, it was what it was. And I listened to it today and yesterday, and 
it's great when you can put on your own record. Like it's almost like I always my my twin brother Adam and I talk about looking at our pictures of when you're when you're in puberty at like 13 and you have zits and a mohawk or like, <laughs> uh, whatever. But that record when you put that on. I am really proud of it still. I'm yeah. like, it sounds freaking great, man. Did you feel that way then? Um, I think it was weird then. I think we were just getting through it. Yeah. I remember thinking about my bass parts and just trying to keep up you know, with the songs. I remember renting a 12-string bass for one of the songs that I had written because I wanted a King's X vibe to it. Like, that's where we were with it. Some guy in town, literally, I paid him 25 bucks and he, and he sat there <laughs> while I played it. Right. Figure, right. Figuring out how to, how to even, how to even like, how do we mic this thing? Like, you know, I knew I, I loved, I love King's X and I wanted that chimey thing, but I wanted the big boldness or whatever. Well, we put that kind of effort into that record. And that was my song that I brought to the band and everyone was, was cool with it. But then for me personally, like taking it to that next level, I remember like, like those things, there's a song called, uh, sorry, I'm the one that was really good that we had, we ended up chopping up the drums a lot. Cause it wasn't like right where I wanted it. Like we cut the track and I'm like, this is it right? And instead of recutting the track, we just edited the drums a bunch. Uh, Greg Braun was freaking amazing on that song. Yeah, the whole album, man. It was probably my favorite record. Weirdly, not my favorite songs, I guess, in in the long game. But it's a legit band, man. Everybody, John Blackinger. Mark Cooper, Greg Braun, AC. It was a legit freaking band. Man, we went hard on that record. Yeah. Well, I think that's kind of part of it is like you and I met at that hotel halfway between Cincinnati and Columbus. To yeah, like, yeah, we did. Hashed out our plan. Yeah, and you're yeah. like, I got I got a couple guys. And I was like, I got a couple guys. Yeah. And then we brought those guys together and everyone just got along really well. Yeah. And then, like, phew, like right yeah. away gigging like all the time like then we would get together for weekends of rock where we would yeah. essentially like commandeer the basement of a house for like 72 hours and we would just yeah. order food and write songs all weekend then we would go back and listen to those songs for two months and work out parts and then do it again so that's how we wrote between yeah. like half the band being in cincy and half the band being in columbus mm -hmm. and it just felt <laughs> like and honestly and like looking back on it it was a very like interesting time in my life personally where like a lot of things were changing and there were a lot of like ancillary things outside that were going mm -hmm. on. I think that that impacted it. But by the time we got done gigging to pay for the album, recording the album, pressing the album, and then we booked like a show at the Newport music hall with a band at the time called downplay. The lead singer of that is now uh, Dustin Bates from Starset, who is touring the world. So we opened for Dustin Bates of, mm -hmm. of Starset at the Newport and played this, played pretty much our entire album. Um, and that was like the top for us. Like that was like, all right, now we're just going to start like promoting this. But I think 
just in all honesty, I think like that was like the pinnacle because like I was kind of burnt out, honestly, at that point. I needed mm-hmm. some time off. I had some changes going on in my life. So did other members of the band. And then during this little break that we had, Greg Braun, God bless his soul, he decided he needed additional time off and then moved to Florida. And so like we had this this album that like we essentially gave birth to this album probably at like maybe the wrong time in in our lives to actually do anything about it. But now it's like something that we have really forever that share together as, as a group of guys that really cared about each other. And although we didn't get to tour necessarily on that album, we know what went into it. We know what the songs meant to us. We know how much fun and how hard we worked to make it happen. I think that's a good example musically. Like we do that with songs too. Everything's got a place. And then some some make it through the 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 threshold and some don't. But yeah. that that record specifically, and Jay, you probably worked on so many records like that too. It was like this, you know, you build up to it and then it it happens and then it's like and I don't regret any of that, man, AC. Um No. You know, it was like it was the time and place. And I think remember we had label like people like handed us their cards and stuff after that shit too and it was just like, oh yeah. yeah yeah but it was like it was what it was and honestly the benefit of hindsight is like i don't know that i'd want it differently the thing i remember after that is coming to your house you had your pa set up with justin hawkins and then we ended up writing waterfall parachute pulling rope all those harmony based ideas. Yeah. Um, and I have recordings of those and that was sort of like the next thing. And I'm like, Oh, this is, this is where I'm at now. I, I want to send all these things to Jay. So he knows so he can hear them <laughs> because I'm so proud of them. I want to share them. <laughs> That's awesome. I'll look forward to that. Drew, you yeah. mentioned it earlier and Aaron, you just mentioned it here that you guys are obviously in Ohio. You grew up together in a, a town mm-hmm. in Ohio, and you're now living in Columbus, Aaron, and Drew, you're in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And you've chose not to leave. You've been here, you stay here. So how important do you think it is that that area is affecting your music? Oh, good question, man. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, like, growing up in Ohio, you have, you know, everywhere you have a unique perspective of, like, that specific space. And, and I think like really any artist, the space around you really does impact what you produce, right? Mm-hmm. It's like our art is a reflection of sort of what we see and who we are really. And so for me, like, I think Ohio has influenced me as, as an artist because, and the songs, because they, they have, you know, a little flavor of that Americana, like sort of that, that roots rock grounded in sort of the Midwestern ethos, you know, of working hard and community and all, all that good stuff. But there's also like, you know, some good, I mean, Cleveland, rock and roll capital of the world. There's a lot of rock vibe in there too, you know, but then I'm not afraid to sing about a sunset or, or some shit that might be in a country song. You know, right. because that's Ohio too. Right. For me, it's like, how do I distill 
these things, and, and, and I'll be honest, not to belabor the point, but like, I've sort of come to terms with like, I couldn't wait to get out of Ohio when I was 18 for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Like I had my sights set on someplace that was warm with big bright lights and that's where I was going to be. You know what I mean? Like that's all, that's what I thought I wanted. But in reality, like, you know, I'm happy here and I like things that Ohio's all about. And, and I want that to be unabashedly and unapologetically. So part of the art that we can mm -hmm. create. For sure, man. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think, you know, we came from a, a hometown, Zanesville, as much as I love it, there's nothing there. Good people. But but community. <laughs> yeah. And I think it speaks so much to our foundation. And Jay, to put a bullet point on it, Aaron's brother, Cy, he's a couple years older than me. And he's the one that taught me, like, basically how to play guitar we used to jam and so my twin brother Adam and our buddy Ed Steiger, who is probably one of the best bass players, we used to jam in this garage and Aaron would come in like this freshy thirteen year old kid in his Catholic schoolboy uniform and like sing with us every now and then. They you know, we were like the older kids and he would come in like can i like hang out with you guys whenever no um right. and, and we would jam like pro jam or whatever and he was great i mean like i could talk forever about those experiences but those small town community we would go see tesla you know oh, play yeah. at columbus we would hang out outside drove us up to blossom music center and we saw Lollapalooza and you know, just exponentially those things became the garage into a scene and eventually becoming part of the scene. And as I got older and Aaron was amazing singer in a band, he's like one of those guys that everybody wants to be in a band with Aaron Shellcraft, but we connected and uh, yeah. And it's like the, the thing now is like, I'll never not be in a band with, with, Aaron, this is where we're at. Yeah. Well, Aaron, that that might actually be a a good point to bring this up. Drew's aware of this from his previous appearance on the show, but we do this thing here we call Unsung Heroes where we take a moment to shine the light on somebody who works behind the scenes or somebody who may be supportive of you. Do you have anybody you'd like to shine a little light on? Um, I'll just talk about my brothers specifically since Drew, you brought him up. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Sure. A moment that that, that changed my life, I think for the better forever was one of the things that Drew talked about. So I'm probably 12 or 13, just absolutely in love with the band Pearl Jam. I still mm -hmm. to this day find them to be like one of the best rock and roll bands of all time. And Drew and my brother and a few other great musicians are, are rehearsing. And I used to just sit in the corner and drink my Gatorade or whatever and watch <laughs> them. But they were so kind to let me sing the song alive at one of their practices. Mm -hmm. If you know that song, like it starts slow and it just builds to this crescendo. And it's just like, gave me the sense of what it's like mm -hmm. to like 
sing into a microphone and feel that form of like release that I had never felt before. And it, like I was an athlete at the time and, it, you know, I love sports, but I never felt anything like that. And like what I've realized is that sort of like made such an impression on me that when I left the athletic arena and went on to college, I remembered that as like filling my cup. Mm -hmm. I wanted to go back and taste it again. Mm -hmm. So I picked up the guitar at the age of 20 and five years later, you know, I'm opening for Bon Jovi and it's literally because somebody like was kind enough, my middle brother, Cy and Drew to give me the opportunity to like actually express it in a way that I'd never felt before. The second is, is my oldest brother, Ryan. And I bring him up because he always gave me the belief that if you have a dream and you go chase it, you can actually execute on it and, and do like something that is maybe greater than yourself or something that you can't believe that you could actually do. And like the quick story on that is when he was 18, he started a business called American Pride. Mm -hmm. To this day, he's still running that business and he's in his early 50s. Mm -hmm. so he had a dream and he wanted to work for himself and he kind of thought he knew how to do it and he just kept chasing it. I think that's a good lesson for any musician or any artist is that if if you believe in what you're doing, that's really all that matters at the end of the day. Man, I'll say um, every now and then like this random box shows up on my doorstep of vinyl and it's from my twin brother. And he spends time to curate like these listening experiences for me. Uh, I just got the Crosby, Stills and Nash MoFi version of their first album. And it's so phenomenal, man. Like you can hear the B3, you can hear all the textures of the like Hammond on these songs. And, you know, they're, they're not a, full electric band it's just, those are the things that that keep me interested i guess i like to find new music but when i get to re-experience old music better like he's my he's my person and he he educates me on things you got to have someone that's better than you <laughs> you know what i mean and he's he's my dude <laughs> A big thanks to Aaron and Drew for taking the time to join us tonight and sharing their stories. And thank you for taking the time to hang with me here. As always, I really do appreciate it. If you could, please follow, share, and connect on all the socials. You could even tell a friend. I'd appreciate that too. You can do all that and find the links to everything mentioned over at jfranzy.com slash episode 52. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Jay Franzi Show. Make sure you visit us at jfranzi.com. Follow, connect, and say hello. This episode has been brought to you by VR Knives, your source for 100% custom knives made by a true rock star. So, if you're in the market for a new piece of art, reach out to VR Knives. 407-421-5528. 407-421-5528.